KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Matt Leon. We have spent a lot of time on the podcast talking about unemployment numbers and layoffs during the course of the pandemic. But there's another aspect of the jobs world that we haven't spent as much time on. That is the idea that we are seeing record numbers of people quit their jobs. In April, the Bureau of Labor Statistics reported that there were 4 million quits. That represented the highest quit rate since they started tracking the statistic. We wanted to dig into this interesting development so we caught up with Jennifer Rossi Long. She is the director of the Career Development Center at Westchester University. This is interesting stuff. Give a listen. So this is really kind of a fascinating time for the American job scene, the labor market, because I feel like we've got these multiple pieces of a puzzle, and I, for one, can't figure out how they fit. We've got still millions of jobs below where we were before the pandemic hit. I think around 6 million jobs off track. We've got, on the other hand, we've got businesses all over the country throwing money at people to to join. $500 signing bonuses. If you're vaccinated, we'll give you money. Just come work for us. They can't, you know, restaurants shortening their hours because they don't have enough people. And then we've got the quit rate. People walking away from their jobs or changing careers at the highest level since they've started recording statistics. Make this make sense to me. It's fascinating how out of kilter everything feels. Yeah, well, there's just so much here, right? I mean, you're right. And I think, you know, when you talk about like the 4 million people that quit their jobs, I think that was in April alone. We probably saw the same statistic there. You know, traditionally, that high number of resignations could signal a healthy economy in a normal time, because it suggests that there's plenty of jobs, there's lots of good movement that's happening. But I do think it's important to recognize that this is not a normal time. So it's not signaling the same thing. I I feel like trying to make sense of it really starts with the why here. And I think that there's there's a couple things going on. So first of all, there's a a professor at uh, Texas A&M University, Professor uh, Anthony Klotz, and he coined this term, the great resignation. And he said that this is coming. If if you Google it, it, it's all over the place. You'll see information about it. But he talked about, you know, this past year was certainly filled with uncertainty. And when you have uncertainty, people tend to get kind of conservative. They hold tight. They weather the storm. So he thinks there's a lot of pent up resignations, basically, that didn't happen over the last year that are just starting to happen as we move into the next phase of this pandemic and and all of this. So, you know, I I think that could be one reason. But, you know, you alluded to some of this in the question, even um, people are leaving for better pay. And especially in particular industries, you talked about restaurants, the hospitality industry is getting hit really hard here of those four million people that resigned in April, I think about 20% of them came out of that hospitality industry. So that's over 700,000 people. That's a big hit. So I think part of that has to do with the pay and the flexibility as people are reprioritizing. Um, I think some folks are uh, being asked now to, to come back to work or to go back to whatever was normal for them. And they're feeling anxiety over it. They're not quite ready to reintroduce in that way. Um, They're uncertain of what that means because there's still, you know, there's the the Delta variant, but we're being told we don't need masks. And so, you know, I I think there's just a lot of uncertainty and anxiety around that. 
But I also think that people are just completely burned out. They're, they're burned out. They, they've been balancing their jobs. They've been keeping their, their organizations afloat. They're getting it done, but they've constantly had that clashing with their childcare arrangements and other responsibilities. And that's, people are, they're tired. When this all started, when the pandemic started, obviously all the focus and concern was so many people losing their jobs immediately. Mm -hmm. You know, we had resig, you know, firings, layoffs off the charts. And it never occurred to me that at some point along this, we would have a situation where we have this many people just walking away from jobs. You know, a little more than a year later, we have this incredibly high quit rate. Is this something you could have imagined a year ago? Because I think to the point you made, when you reverse engineer it, it makes a lot more sense. But coming out of the gates, uh, I don't know if anyone could have seen this coming. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I, for one, definitely wasn't thinking about this in particular. Um, so again, maybe this is my, my hindsight bias and I'm doing a little bit of re-engineering here, but I'm, I'm thinking back to the last recession that we had, like 2008, 2009, the years that, that followed there. And, you know, I was doing some like private practice career consulting at that time And I can't tell you how many individuals that I worked with were different industries, but in very similar situations where, you know, they did X, Y, Z job for 20 years. They lost that job. You know, they were good at it. They made a good living, but they they lost that job in the recession. And they said, I don't want to find another job as an X, Y, Z. I want something meaningful. I want purpose. I want to feel like I'm contributing to something. And that was interesting. Or, Or maybe they... They didn't get laid off, but they sort of suffered the effects of staying in a job and watching their colleagues and their friends getting laid off and losing their jobs. And they said, I'm going to go out on my terms. Uh, You know, I'm going to go look for something else because I don't want to find myself in this situation or be constantly worried about being in this situation where I'm going to lose my job. And so I think, you know, at at that time, it, it seemed a little bit more like people were unfulfilled. And I think this time around, there might be a little bit of that going on, but I, I think the biggest thing now is that people are changing their priorities. So again, like I see some similarities to that where I'm like, oh, maybe I should have seen some of this coming, but at the same time, um, no, it, it really didn't cross my mind, at least not to this magnitude. Do you think we will see a spike in entrepreneurship? Because I think you know, when you talk about, on one hand, a lot of burnout and people that just need time, but a lot of these people that are leaving their jobs, maybe this traumatic year and a half, people say, you know what, I've always wanted to do X, Y, and Z. And man, you know what, I'm going to do it. I've learned my lesson. Life's too short. I want to do it. Is is that a little too much Hallmark movie? Or do you think we could see a spike in people uh, kind of chasing their dreams for a business slash career? No, I I think that we could. Um, I think it's going to depend on the person's ability to do something like that and what their support system and their safety net looks like. But yeah, particularly those folks that are feeling disenfranchised by the fact that, you know, perhaps they are being called back into an an office um, or they have a job that required them to be on site throughout the entire pandemic and they're just, they're over it. So, you know, having that feeling of freedom over 
well, I can, I can make my own hours. I can do my own thing. I can pursue the things that, that interest me in particular. Um, there's certainly no shortage of problems that need to be solved right now through, you know, through businesses and through services and, and nonprofits and other things. So I think that there's a great opportunity for that to happen. And it, it potentially could, but again, it, it's going to depend on the, the person's situation and, and their ability to actually do that. This is one of the rare times in my lifetime, if the only time I can ever remember a labor force having basically the power that they have now. As we talk about these places, they can't find people. And in addition to like these signing bonuses, uh, you know, we had a lot of talk about legislation to raise the minimum wage. That didn't happen. But lo and behold, a lot of these places are going to $15, $16 an hour on their own just to get people mm-hmm. in the door. Um, you know, are we living through kind of a once-in-a-lifetime moment where the power dynamic has kind of shifted? Now, who, how long this lasts? Who knows? But, you know, I don't ever remember being in a situation like this. It's probably not to this degree. Um, I, I can't recall like a situation where like to this degree, it felt like the workforce had this collective power, right? I mean, you, you know, I feel like typically, um, you know, when you talk about retention, cause obviously employee retention is not a, a new topic, but you especially see it bubble up after each new generation enters the workforce. So after the millennials had been in the workforce for a little while, we were studying them and studying them to say, well, what? What do they want? What's going to keep them in these jobs? Like, what exactly are they looking for? And then, you know, based on that data, organizations reacted to that. Um, and so I, I think you're going to see the same thing with, with Gen Z. But um, this is is not generational. Um, this is this is crossing that that line at this point. So, um, I, you know, so, for, for example, uh, <laughs> we'll pick on the, the millennials, me being I think I think I'm the geriatric millennial. I think that's what I what I learned recently. But they found that millennials wanted this like work life uh, like fluidity, and they wanted to have fun at work. They they wanted work to be a place that they actively wanted to go to. So for all those organizations that invested in the ping pong tables, the beer on tap, the nap pods, all of those things, that's not compelling for someone who wants a work from anywhere lifestyle or who doesn't want to have a commute anymore. So now it's about figuring out those things all over again. So, I, you know, so I think we've seen in the past on a smaller scale, organizations reacting to what they felt like their workforce wanted and making investments there. Um, but this is this is bigger than buying a ping pong table. Do you think however long this takes to shake out? I mean, whether we're talking months, years, I mean, maybe even a decade before we can get a complete full picture for the most part, between higher wages, uh, people maybe a certain percentage pursuing things they want to do more, more flexibility, the ability to work from home. Could we see the overall labor situation in the country be a little bit better or a little bit in a in a better place overall? Now, I know you drilled down there's going to be you know, situations everywhere, they're going to be different. But for the most part, it seems to me, if we raise the wage floor a little bit, if people get to spend a little bit more time with their families, if a certain percentage get to to chase their dreams, not the way any of us would want to have gotten here, but kind of a silver lining to this be that 
overall we're just we we've moved a little bit closer the notch a little closer to happiness I'd like to think so, but I guess it it depends on what someone's assigning happiness to in terms of their values, right? So if that is more money, then yes, certainly the increase in pay. If that's more time to spend with their family, then being able to work from home or have a flexible schedule and spend less time commuting and doing other things. Yeah, that there, I think there's a a correlation there. Um, But what I I think is going to be really important as it relates to like, will these things, you know, make us us happier, like as a society or as a whole, is making sure that, you know, the the one size fits all model isn't going to work. You know, when it comes to retention and how organizations are going to do that, how they're bringing folks back, how they're reengaging folks into this, again, this next phase of, of how they're going to work. So I think there's this great responsibility to make sure that um, they aren't disproportionately impacting certain individuals or certain groups of people. So I I think that the arrangements, they have to be inclusive. Um, I I think you have to have a lot of different voices at the table to make sure that we're doing this the right way and that we're not just looking at a particular socioeconomic class and allowing them to climb, but we're allowing everyone to, to climb together. So I said we don't know. How long do you think it's going to take before we can really get a read on on where we are for all this to shake out? And this is, I say, ask this question, assuming we are not throwing any curveballs within the pandemic where a variant comes that sends people home again. Or if we just kind of continue on a path that we emerge over the next several months out of the pandemic, how long do you think it'll be before everything kind of resettles and we really get kind of a better, clearer picture on what things are going to look like in the the labor force and the direction of work? Yeah, I mean, well, so one of the good things is every minute that goes by, we're collecting data, right? You know, folks are are studying this and, um, you know, every month that goes by, we're looking at the jobs, the resignations, the unemployment, um, wages, all all of those things. It's hard to give like an actual time frame, but I do think like many other things, it's going to go into those the buckets, the thirds, right? You're going to have a third of the organizations and, and particular industries that are going to have to be competitive with one another that are going to be the early adopters. And they're the ones that are going to make the changes, I'll say quickly, but I don't mean without being thoughtful, um, but they're going to be more agile and have the ability to make the changes because maybe they already were doing some of this before the pandemic and this was just a small shift for them. So I think that you're going to have those early adopters, the ones that aren't afraid to take a risk and try something and potentially fail and then have to reimagine it. And that's a company culture thing. That's a company value. You're going to have a third that are like, yeah, I, I see this. I see this is changing. Um, I see what needs to be done here. But, uh, you know, we're not quite as agile. It's going to take us a little bit more time to come along. So we're looking at like three to five years for, for those folks potentially. And then more than five years, you're going to have your your late adopters that are either very conservative and they want to kind of step back and see how it all plays out, or they're in an industry that's not as competitive and they don't feel that push and that competition for talent. I've tried to look for much of this conversation. I've kind of focused on looking at this through a positive lens of, you know, rising wages and people chasing their dreams. We kind of reference it, but I want to drill down on the other side. Uh, how much a concern overall, obviously a lot of these people that are quitting, it's just because they can't take it anymore, be it 
the pressures of the job. They had to go into an office during a pandemic, the way they were treated as a frontline worker when people love to put stuff on Facebook about how these people are heroes, but would still scream at them over 89 cent difference in their graham crackers. Like the burnout, how big a concern is that in the big picture? Well, I think it's a big concern because I think that ties back to this, what I would just call like the human component to this, um, you know, have people, whether through work or, or in their personal lives, but I think it's important to tie this to work, have they had the opportunity to process what they just went through and to acknowledge that this past year and a half was, whew, was a lot, right? You know, like have people had the ability to actually think about it and, and process through why they personally are feeling that that burnout or that that stress um, or that frustration over maybe certain factors within their job? Um, or are they being treated as a cog in the machine and expected to, to come back um, or to keep going to just kind of press on without really acknowledging what we all just went through, right? Acknowledging the loss, the the stress, um, the missed maybe time with friends and family, missed celebrations, um, just the the uncertainty of of everything that was going on. And I think that then you're just going to have a lot of people that are left with sort of this unfinished business or these unresolved feelings. And you know, I, I don't personally find that healthy. So, um, so I, I do think that's something that has to be acknowledged in this, that human component. And, and for some that, you know, that might sound a little touchy feely, but I, you know, I guess I would just add a gentle reminder there that we're humans. We're not robots. We're human. And I've seen a lot of numbers that we're seeing a lot of people pursue a skill or a trade kind of coming out of that. And that was something I remember having conversations even before the pandemic that, you know, we had kind of pushed everyone and I don't want to make it sound like it's a bad thing, but into this college track and kind of left behind the trades and stuff like that. Do you think we could see a little bit of a resurgence that way in the other direction coming out of this when you throw on kind of all the discussions about student loan debt and stuff like that? Yeah, you could potentially see that. Um, I think that you could also see not just in some of the, the trades, but in some other areas where folks can quickly upskill and reskill. So, you know, you on Hulu, I've, I've got commercials, you know, Google's given out certifications now and like user experience and, you know, some some other um, like analytics, like different certificates takes a couple of months um, to, to pick up that skill and then you're more marketable. So I, yeah, I think it applies, applies to some of the trades as well, but I think there's other areas too um, where folks feel like, okay, I, I don't necessarily have to invest in a whole other degree to be able to make this, this change or this pivot. And particularly in the areas with some of the trades where you can do an apprenticeship and it's not as like cost prohibitive to be able to do that and pick up that skill. Um, I think that 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 does make a lot of sense. Yeah. And my final question is someone, you know, who works at a career center and you've got a generation of kids that are emerging from college. Are you given the state of play, all the things we've talked about and looking into the future, overall optimistic about the the opportunities that are going to be ahead for the for people coming out of school or just starting their way in the workforce now and are they kind of coming out at a unique time where uh they might be able to take advantage of that 
Yeah, I mean, I'm very optimistic for them because I have to tell you, <laughs> talk about adding skills to your resume. I mean, perseverance, uh, grit, the ability to pivot, um, the ability to learn something new quickly. I mean, they they just had their biggest internship <laughs> that they could have possibly had. Just navigating through the pandemic, uh, for many of them doing online learning, some of them doing a hybrid format and having to balance that taking on other roles and responsibilities within their families that, you know, potentially they didn't have to do before. So again, I, I think you, you said this before, unfortunately, I wish it didn't have to be because of a pandemic. Like I wish it didn't arrive this way, but the skills they've been equipped with through this are just incredible. Um, and I do think there's going to be opportunity for them. And, and just like with anyone, you know, when you think about career exploration and that career management, it, it comes down to, their skills, interests, and values being congruent with the job. And that that doesn't change now. And in fact, that values conversation is even more important to be having with folks, particularly as they're coming out of school, because you know, you, you look at a job posting, you're like, okay, I see, I see the skills that are there. I have those skills based on XYZ experience. Um, the job sounds interesting to me. These are things that I think I would genuinely like doing. But I think a lot of times we gloss over the values piece or we don't know how to examine the, the values piece. And, and that's exactly what's at play here. So for folks that are out of school, they're not changing their values, but they're reprioritizing them. Students could be going through the exact same thing, but they also haven't fully hit the job market yet, even if they've done a couple internships. So they're just at the beginning of even figuring out how to articulate what their values are and how that applies to a job. So I do feel overall positive for them. I think that they've now had a really um, a really good lesson in, in the ability to be flexible. And um, I hope that they're being reinforced, not just by our office, but in other areas that um, they can find something that works for them. They don't have to fit the mold of, of somebody else at this point. There's a huge door open for them there. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. <laughs>